Well, pit down to their third-string quarterback, and Nate Arnell does get the win over Western Michigan 34-13. Folks, we're going to talk about what you can take away from that game. Israel Abani, Kansas, growing stardom. And, of course, what Pitt can do with all these injuries racking up on the team. It's all coming up today on this episode of Locked on Pit. You are Locked on Pit, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Panthers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Folks, welcome back to the Locked on Pit podcast. As always, I am your host, Nick Fairbaugh. And what a win it was for Pitt over Western Michigan. It was one where you sweat for a little bit. As I said, I, I thought that they would cause you to sweat just a little bit. Didn't think that you would have to sweat the whole game, which I don't think Pitt fans did near the end. I thought that they really tightened things up as this game went on and started to really get things going uh, looking at a machine. But this game was a good win for Pitt, and they win 34-13 to over Western Michigan. They get revenge from last year after that disaster of a game. I know Pitt fans do not want to remember that game, and they certainly don't want to even hear about any of that because that game was a unmitigated disaster to a large degree. It was a big blemish on an ACC championship season, but now I think they've ex- ex- exercised themselves of those demons, if you will. And, and listen, the first thing you have to look at is, let's be real. Look at what Nate Yarnell did in that game. And how couldn't you be impressed by what this young redshirt freshman brought to the table for a group that really needed it. And, and a group that, quite honestly, man, that was a pit group that was reeling. There were a lot of injuries after that Tennessee game, including both of their quarterbacks at the top of the depth chart. They had lost Desmond Alexander. They had lost Devin Daniels. They had lost Rodney Hammond. They had lost so many players. And then they continued to lose guys throughout this game. Habakkuk Baldonado, Nate Temple, Deion Hayes didn't play in this game. Um, you saw Jared Wayne go out with an injury. Marquez Williams as well go down. So there were so many injuries that just seemed to be happening in this game. And it was like, when is it going to end? And, and just didn't seem like it was going to. And so... This was a game that Pitt had to persevere through injury, had to persevere through adversity, and they came out better for it. And they played really well in this game. And the first thing you look at when you look at this game is Nate Urnell. It has to be. I mean, it has to be. I get he only had 12 passes in this one, but impressive stuff. The passes he was asked to do were very simple, and I want to give that context. Yes, I'm not going to say he's the next quarterback of this team in the future or anything like that, but he had a really pretty deep ball and he threw a few really nice tiered throws to all three levels of the field, to Mumfield, Wayne, and Bartholomew. He really looked comfortable out there, man. He didn't look out of place. Some of those throws that he made deep were great, and that six of them were explosive plays of 15 or more yards, and, and they, were, they were all 15 or more air yards. He threw the ball well, biggest level and the toughest level to do it and so that has to be impressive to me because you didn't expect this guy to open up the whole holster and he did for a large portion of that you even saw him do rollouts you saw him do a lot of different things he looked really good in this game really only one super bad throw i could think of which was the underthrow to bartholomew on that end zone fade but really this is a guy that played well this is a guy that continues 
to showcase poise and, and toughness throughout the entirety of the game. And so I, I, I am very impressed with what we saw from Nate Yarnell in this game. And, and I'm excited to see maybe what he can do against Rhode Island, no matter how limited that action may be. I don't think he's going to play a ton against Rhode Island. Uh, I'll talk about that in, in a little bit. But this is a game that exemplifies what is the next man up mentality. And Yarnell is a big part of that. Again, Frank Signet did a nice job in this one too, keeping it simple for him. And I know a lot of people gave him a lot of grief for what he was doing in this game. You know, the early third and six where they ran to Vincent Davis was a little bit dumb. Um, I think they should have thrown that ball there. But it was clear. They were trying to get the freshman very comfortable. They didn't really know what they had in the now. Now I think they know that they could be a little bit more comfortable to open some things up for him. But they kept it very simple with him. They didn't do anything crazy in this game. It wasn't like they made him go through four reads and he hit the backside anything or he he was off script and doing a ton of stuff like that he wasn't doing that but he was definitely doing good things in structure making accurate throws not making bad reads and he did everything he needed to do in this game to really exercise what he needed to do and to get pit the win and, and I think that was the exemplary part of this game for Nate Yarnell he looked like a guy that was in command of this offense that commanded respect from his offense he played a very solid game as a result of that. And he just played ball, man. And, and again, this was his first football start since 2019. He missed his final season of high school ball with a broken thumb. He didn't play last year with the Liz Frank injury. There were so many different things that caused him to just miss time, miss time, miss time. And so a guy that hasn't played since 2019 to come out like this in your first college action, come on, man. How can't you be impressed by what you saw from Nate Yarnell? You have to give him a lot of credit, even if you can acknowledge the context of it. You have to acknowledge it's a MAC team. Of course, not a particularly good MAC team, by the way, I don't think. Um, and, and, of course, they kept it simple for him. One reads. They, they ran the ball more often than not. I think it was 81% run to 19% pass. Um, but, listen, this, this game plan worked. It worked. It was designed to get Pitt out of there with the win. It didn't need to be a blowout. It ended up being a nice, comfortable 21-point win for Pitt, but it didn't need to be that. Pitt just wanted to get out of here with the win. They wanted to control the time of possession. They did that. They went to control the line of scrimmage. They did that, and they wanted to run the football effectively, and they did that. And so that is what really showcased me this team's adversity and toughness is, listen, for one game, they had a lot of injuries, and this was a game that could have been a trap game for them. And they had a specific game plan they set out, and they stuck to it. They made necessary adjustments when needed. They went away from some of those inside runs to more some more outside runs to get their running backs in space, and it worked. It continuously worked, and Western Michigan, by the end of it, was tired because the hammer had finally sunk its teeth into the nail. And so they just kept going and going and going, and that was impressive to me about how relentless they were. And then the quarterback and the offensive coordinator clearly on the same page, everyone buying into what Frank Signetti wanted to do. Everyone was in that game plan. Everyone wanted to run that game plan because it was worked to perfection. But I want to talk about what this running game is going to look like here in the future. But first, folks, I want to let you know about Upside. From cringing to the pump to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting us all where it hurts. Really, really right in the wallet. 
And that's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With every purchase, I'm earning cash back thanks to Upside. To get started, download the free Upside app. Use the promo code LOCKED and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. Check in at the business, pay as usual with the credit or debit card, and get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's probably why they use a four eight-star rating on the App Store. Download the free Upside app and use the promo code LOCK to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Use the promo code LOCKED. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Locked on Pit podcast. We continue to talk here about this pit win over Western Michigan and how impressive this win was in actuality to what you thought. This was a game that was ugly for a lot of it. Pitt made it ugly, and they wanted to make it ugly. And you making a game ugly speaks to a lot of things. One, it speaks to this overall team's health. It is a banged-up team. Banged-up team. I didn't even mention earlier, you're missing two of their starting O-linemen and Gabe Hoy and Owen Drexel. I didn't even mention that fact, that, that this is a group that is still banged up. This is a group that continuously doesn't really have an identity just yet because there's so many moving parts on this team, both defensively and offensively, but especially offensively when you lose Ronnie Hannon and then your best wide receiver goes out thus far, that you lose two of your offensive linemen and your two top quarterbacks on the depth chart. I mean, they could not have handled more injuries than they did. This was a statement game for them. And I'll tell you a few things I saw in this game. One, I don't think Israel Abanikan is a super great volume rusher. I think he's better used in spurts. I do. Um, and I know he had another great game, and this guy is a star. I think he's a really good football player. I'm an Izzy fan. There's no doubt about this. Izzy is that dude, and we all know that. We know how good Israel Abanikan is. We've seen the man play now for two seasons. He's fast. He's tough. He's a track star that is built like an absolute Ox, he is a really special type of running back because you don't see guys built like that that are that fast very often. And you don't see guys with that type of determination that go as about as 110 degrees to the sun as he does. This guy doesn't care. This guy just goes and, and has no give. And I think that's something you have to admire about a Bannikanda is how hard he runs, man. They ended up with 31 rushes on 133 yards. Really solid day for him. Uh, and that's his second straight game over 100 yards, and his all-purpose yards are going through the roof. He's one of the most productive running backs in the country right now. He is putting together a truly special season uh, in that regard. He is really putting together a phenomenal season. And that is something I always look at when you talk about what Izzy is actually doing right now. This is a guy that continuously gets more and more physical the more carries he gets. And and that's the thing, though. He gets tired legs. You can tell that a little bit. The later on in games we get, the little bit more he wears down. I don't think he's necessarily a volume back or a workhorse. Um, But I think he has showcased the ability 
to be a quality back, man. And, and I think that's been the big thing. And then you look at Vincent Davis. Can we talk about Vincent Davis and, and the hate this man gets sometimes in this fan base? Man, he gets maligned for misuses that he had last year. He is not a short yardage back. We understand that. He is also not a guy that is going to run between the tackles efficiently. But you also know that. And that's stuff you essentially live with because the guy is an exemplary football player first. He's an exemplary teammate first. And you look at Vincent Davis and what he does. He's shifty in space. He's a guy that is a perfect fit for those wide zone runs. And we saw that in this game. When he gets a crease and he gets a hole on wide zone runs, one cut, he's going, man. He's a blur when he is put in those positions. When he is able to stick his foot in the ground, one cut, and just get vertical, he can easily get eight yards in a hurry. As a pass protector, he's the most dependable man on this team. I don't care what anyone says. He is the most dependable pass protector in this running back room right now. He is a really solid player there. He's got good hands. And he is a guy that is the type of locker room leader you always need. He has stuck his head down. He has made big play after big play when they needed him down there at the end to really shut this door down. He continuously shut the door, shut the door, shut the door. Hard runs, earning yards, falling forward. Vincent Davis played well. And then, you know what? Sebo Flemisters looked good at times. Daniel Carter's had a few nice rushes from the fullback spot. But here's the thing I really want to point out. I want to point out this blocking. I think the run blocking in this game was really good. I really did. Jake Cradle, man, working at center in this game looked really good. And then... You saw the front side of that left side. Carter Warren and Marcus Miner played a real good game. And you just saw that interior line play the best game they have all year. And that right tackle spot was solid, too. I thought you saw both Taylor and Gonzalez play a solid game. They were serviceable in this one. But that left side of that line in the interior with Jacoby and Zubovich working on the back side at right guard, man, it was something to watch. These guys were clearing holes for most of this game. They were really putting their – their stamp on this one. And that's the offensive line job, man. When you have a game plan like this and you can execute it like they did, that's a credit to them. They blocked this thing extremely well. They played this at a high level. And what they did more than all is that I thought they did a great job of picking up stunts and blitzes. They had a lot of stuff that was thrown at them that they probably didn't see coming. And they picked it up. I thought that they looked much better. And again, I understand it's Western Michigan, Let's put it in there, but there has to be a foundational performance to building every castle, and this can be that. We saw that last year when Pitt lost to Western Michigan, responded, and blew out New Hampshire. I understand at that time it was New Hampshire, but what was the foundational piece to getting back on track? It was that game. It was that game. Okay, we could still do this. Let's put some confidence in it, and this can be a foundational game for this offensive line. I thought they played well in this one, and, and so – I'm looking forward to seeing what you see from Jake Cradle at center for however long Owen Drexel's back. I'm excited to see Gabe Hoy when he gets back into this lineup because it sounds like he is getting close to returning. So I'm excited about that. And I think this team is growing. I think they showcase a really good response to what is a debilitating, tough loss to Tennessee that they probably should have won uh, even with a second-string quarterback that was hurt. So I think that this game is a building block for Pitt as a team moving forward. However, I want to talk about these injuries, man. A lot of injuries coming up here for Pitt. But first, let's go to a quick break.
All right, folks, welcome back to the Locked On Pit Podcast as we are continuing to talk here about this win over Western Michigan and why this was such a solid win for this team, but also the injuries. And it's becoming almost unbearable. And I'll say this. There is no better stretch in the schedule for these injuries to be hitting. Western Michigan, Rhode Island, Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech is the easiest stretch on this 12-game schedule. There's no doubt about that. So they need to be healthy for the rest of the season after their bye week. But you hope to get a lot of these guys back by SEC play. I know that none of us are going to be that high on a team like Georgia Tech or Virginia Tech. They don't look good. Neither of them are playing very well. But you also have to understand they still are ACC teams with some ACC caliber athletes, and that always gets dicey no matter how much you want anything to go down. That gets dicey for a lot of these teams, man. And so Pitt has a lot of depth, but that will get dicey. And it's it's not just one area. It's not like, you know, oh, it's just the quarterbacks or it's just the running backs. It's They're getting hit everywhere. Uh, the DNs are the ones that are getting hit a lot, though. Uh, Deslong is still dealing with that shoulder. We don't know about Habakkuk Ball, not oh much. Dayon Hazel probably has a knee injury that could keep him out for the rest of the year. Nate Temple was in a sling. It wasn't good. It wasn't good. So, listen, it sounds like Deslin Alexander is going to be back here soon. I don't know if that'll be this week, but I think he'll be back for that Georgia Tech game. I think Baldonado will be okay. So that'll be good. They'll have Baldonado, Alexander, and Morgan. But who's going to step up if Hayes and Temple are out for a while? Is it going to be Bam Brima? Is, is it going to be a guy like Nakai Johnson, who is who got some snaps against Western Michigan, three snaps in relief? Is it going to be Samuel Ogunlola? Is it going to be Jimmy Scott? Is it going to be Chris Maloney? Who's it going to be that steps up? Because Pitt's going to need someone to step up at their DN spots because they have a lot of injuries here. Their depth is getting tested there. And then on the interior, you have Devin Danielson, who's hurt. So is David Green and Tyler Bentley ready to step up? Or is a guy like Elliot Donald, who played a little bit there at the end of that Western Michigan game, going to be a guy that maybe steps up more? So you saw Elliot Donald play, and you saw Elliot Donald do a little bit. So are those young guys going to be the guys that step in? I wouldn't be surprised because that is a real area of concern here right now is that DN depth, and it's getting tested. And we know how important Pitt's defensive ends are to this team. Without actually having competent defensive line play, Pitt's scheme completely goes haywire because if they can't stop the run, boy, things get bad. Things get really bad. And so this DN room has to step up, and they have to play well. And Pitt's going to find out what they have in Nikai Johnson and Bam Brina and, and those guys, and Chris Maloney and, and Jimmy Scott and Samuel Okanola and all those guys. They're going to find out what they have in some of these young players. And so that'll be very important to see what Pitt can do moving forward. Now, Marquez Williams sounds like he's going to be okay, so their secondary should be pretty healthy. Quarterback's very interesting for this week because now you have a debate of what to do. It sounds like Nick Patty's out for an extended period of time, but what about Keaton Slovis? Keaton Slovis has a concussion. He was seemingly okay to play last week, but they were taking it easy because of his history of concussions and maybe he didn't feel 100%. Makes a lot of sense in that regard to make sure that he doesn't completely go over it. Then when you look at... Someone like, for example, I would point out someone 
like a Nate Yernell, for example, that comes in. And I was I was trying to look for another team to, where this happened, but I'll go with Nate Yernell. When you look at a guy like Nate Yernell and he comes in and plays like that after an injury for a week, do you let the guy that has his three concussions rest another week, or do you think he needs to get back in there before ACC play? I tend to think I would start Yarnell and let Slovis rest. I don't think that's what they're going to do. And the reason being, I don't think Keith Slovis needs time to rev up. I, I really don't. I think he and this offense were kind of meshing already pretty well. And I didn't really think that any of their issues beforehand were anything of lack of chemistry. I, I didn't see that in this offense. Um, I didn't think that was an issue for them. What I did think was an issue for them was more so, okay, let's get the internal clock revved up. Let, let's understand the pacing of the game a little bit more as an offense. I thought that was the bigger issue, but that's not a chemistry thing. That's just a feel-it-out thing, and maybe that's why they play them. Maybe they play them so they get the little the rust off them a little bit, and they play with some things to experiment against Rhode Island. That could be a thing, too. So I would expect Keen Slovis to play against Rhode Island. I wouldn't do it, but I think he'll be okay. Jared Wayne, again, he got hit in the head, man, so you never know what these concussions entail. It's so tough to predict concussions and outcomes with concussions because those are traumatic injuries to the brain. And so you never know how someone's going to react to their very serious injuries. So you don't want anyone to be rushed back from an injury like that. And so they got to be careful with Jared Wayne. And I wouldn't expect Wayne to play this week. I think he'll play against Georgia Tech and be back for their conference schedule, but I'm not expecting to see Jared Wayne this week, and for really good reason, because, listen, you don't need to play the man. If he has a concussion against Rhode Island, you think you should be able to win this game. You should be able to run away with this game, no matter what. No matter what. So I wouldn't expect Jared Wayne to play in this game, but I think he'll be back, and that'll be key because Pitt needs this wide receiving core to stay strong. Uh, we don't know the depth of this group, man. I'm not sure if they have a ton of depth overall. And Wayne being their wide receiver one, as he is right now, is a key part of everything they do offensive against any team. So they need him. And Kennedy Mumfield started to come around. Bob Means is hopefully starting to find some consistency. But then you look at the offensive line. Gabe Hoy is going to be back, which I think is going to be big. I, I know people rag on Gabe Hoy sometimes, but I think he's a solid football player that – plays at a pretty good level. I really don't get the complete picture of the struggles of Gabe Hoy. He's a pretty dependable pass protector. Sometimes he gets beat by power. I understand that he has an inconsistent anchor, but he's got pretty strong hands. He's a decent run blocker. He's a pretty solid player. And, and you know what? If Jake Cradle is going to have to be the starter there at center, I think they'll be okay because Cradle played extremely well in relief of Owen Drexel, and I thought that was a big, big boon to what I thought they would see now. Rodney Hammond, we'll see when he's back. Hopefully he's back by Georgia Tech, but that seems to be an extended period of time. He's got a bad ankle injury. Um, so maybe you're more so hoping he gets back after the bye. Um, he would be a key addition, obviously. You want to talk about the tough runner and probably the best back on this team. Rodney Hammond looked great against West Virginia, and they missed him. There's no doubt about it. Against Western Michigan specifically, he would have been phenomenal. So these injuries, they're just going to have to manage them, and they're going to have to make sure by this big stretch, and that big stretch starts with Georgia Tech, but it really kicks in when they go to Louisville after their bye week. They need to be healthy and ready to go because then you have some tough games like UNC, Syracuse, and obviously the big one will be Miami, but they need to make sure that they are healthy for that stretch moving forward all right folks we'll be back 
tomorrow. We're going to talk a little bit about this defense and how I think they are continuing to progress moving forward tomorrow. As always, folks, make sure to like, comment, subscribe, do all of that great stuff. And as always, folks, thanks for listening and hail to Pitt.